Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, uh, it's my honor and privilege to uh, introduce you to Ross and, and Jen Gerber, although they have been here uh, at least once or twice, twice. Yeah, and um, um, just to give you a little background quickly, uh, this couple has been more involved in our church than you can possibly uh, imagine. Um, uh, so their uh, son, Seth Gerber, and, and his wife, Sarah, founded our downtown Vine Ministry Center years ago. It wasn't they, they originally bought it and, and had this incredible vision. I remember when we... Uh, showed up and prayed for that building. It was in the middle of winter. It was like sub-zero, <laughs> and it was a dump. And uh, we prayed God's glory would come, and it has. And it has been used now for many years. Uh, in ministry, continues to be used. And so, um, and Seth, their son, is still on our board of directors, even though he and his wife are now pastoring at the School of Ministry in Bethel, uh, Redding, California, with Bill Johnson's ministry. And so they're still connected to there. And then our, our church in Charleston, South Carolina, their daughter, Kira, and her husband, Arden, were one of the key leaders that helped found the congregation down there along with Scott and Stephanie. Arden came on staff early on. He's not at this point, but you know, they were key leaders in the congregation for all these years. And in fact, this afternoon they're going to head down to Charleston uh, because they're having a family gathering uh, down there. And so they're connected with our ministry there as well. And then I've just known them for uh, for many, many years several decades actually back into the 90s and I asked him how many years he's been a pastor and we we both agreed after 30 years it doesn't matter okay (laughs) so pastor does in Sturgis uh, uh, just not too far from here Sturgis Michigan for for many decades and raised up an incredible church there but just a good friend and co-laborer of this congregation, but also of our network of churches, and actually one of the first people I called for help when I realized Mark um, was was moving on and we were going to need help. So Ross has um, graciously volunteered to come on a regular basis during the time that we are searching for a new pastoral candidate. So I wanted to be here the first Sunday to introduce him, but uh, subsequent months he'll be here at least once a month to share uh, the message, and we're working to coordinate that. But they also, not only being semi-retired, that's kind of a loose word, because they, they do a lot of mission work. How long have you, be, have you been going to Uganda? Since 2006, for many, many years, they go many, many times. In fact, they're going to be going soon. And I strongly encourage you, we'd like as a church to bless them in this next uh, journey to Uganda. We have, uh, so when you give your offering, again, we're using the drop boxes or the uh, giving kiosk uh, to designate a portion of your offering to Ross and Jen and to their ministry. Just mark it Uganda. Okay, in the other category, put in at Uganda, and, and whatever is contributed will bless them. I want to send them. You're going in July, correct? June? 
end of June, end of June. So let's send them with a real blessing. Uh, and uh, anyone that ministers in Africa, let me tell you, just getting there is is difficult. And I, I travel a lot, but I actually avoid Africa. I've been there once because <laughs> it's just so far. It's 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 a it is not easy. And uh, uh, but they've committed to raise up a generation of leaders, both in the church as well as in in the marketplace. And when you sow into that ministry, you're sowing into the next generation of leaders in the in the nation of Uganda and the continent of Africa. So let's let's be co-laborers with them. All right, children may be dismissed to children's ministry. And Ross, come on up. <clears throat> and yeah, give them a hand. Well, amen, Cameron. Thank you very nice for that uh, introduction. Am I on here? Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's really good to be here with you in New Day Vandalia. We, like Cameron said, we've been here a couple of times before, and, and we were here with Pastor Dale Mwanje. I don't know if you remember Pastor Dale, and he, he's one of the men, key men that we connect with in Uganda. Uh, this year, I guess, you know, we've had a hiatus from going in the last year or so. I wonder why, right? Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, this will be something like the 27th or 28th time we've gone there since uh, 2006, twice a year. And uh, Cameron's right. It's a long ways. And uh, the thing I dislike the most about it is the flights to get there. That is just the hard thing. Um, I can't tell you what a joy it is to be here with you. And I, I know that I am made famous by my son. Everybody knows my son, but... They may not know me, so. Um, um, let's see. I, I just, I, r- I really think that there's a word of the Lord for somebody here in that last song that we sung there. He is with us. I, I really feel like somebody here needs to hear that, especially. You know, why do we go to church? We go to church, sit there, listen to some guy give the baloney sandwich, you know, and just sort of pass it out. But God speaks to us, and he encourages us, and he lifts us up, and he puts our feet back on the path. And There's at least one here. There might be several who really need to hear that word today, that God is with you. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, he is with you. And I know that for me, it's really easy from Sunday to Saturday to forget some of that, you know? I mean... I grab hold of it, and I take it with me, and I go, but I I just know that every time we come together on Sunday with God's people, with God's worship team, with singing praises to the Lord, he speaks to us, he gives us direction, he puts our feet back on the path, and away we go. You know, it's like, it's just a renewing thing. I tell you what, the worship this morning, for me, was, was really, really outstanding. I mean, that first song that we sang about the goodness of God... I couldn't even sing that song today. There are days when I can't sing that song. It's not like we play it on our, you know, our iPads or whatever very often. But recently in Sturgis, they sang that song too. And I found myself, I can't even mouth the words. I just break down in tears thinking about the goodness of God. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> life isn't always easy. But it has nothing to do with the goodness of God. He loves us. He watches over us. 
I'm sorry, this is not the way I usually preach. This is not my preaching style. In 1986, we lost our daughter, who was two and a half years old, to leukemia. She was our fourth child. <clears throat> Has nothing to do with the goodness of God. We walked through some dark times. We walked through some real difficulties in, in the years of ministry. <clears throat> the end of April, my mother passed away. That's a good word, though. She was 97 years old living on her own in her house and still driving her car to McDonald's to drive through the drive-thru and get a hamburger three weeks before she passed away. That's the way I want to go, man. Lord Jesus, I want that. Yeah, just want to. Well, actually, I, I always said I was born with a French fry in my hand, so I might as well go out with a cheeseburger in my hand, too. <clears throat> so just so you know, I'm not a candidate for the pastorate job here. Just less, less you... Less you uh, Unless you get that idea, I'm not, not there. No, I'm, I'm into semi-retirement, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. It's great. We don't know how to, what that means really yet. We're still trying to figure that out, but it, it's okay. So somebody here needs to hear, the Lord is with you. The Lord has not forgotten about you, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what difficulties, struggles, hurts, pains are in your life, he's with you. And he will continue to be with you, whatever goes on in your life. And you can walk and you can sing the song. I will, what does it, stand or sit in the, in the goodness of God. I still believe in the goodness of God. God is good. And I know we say that little flippant thing all the time. All the time God is good. The Africans add to that little phrase and they say, for that is his nature. And I just think, wow, when I first heard that, I just thought, yes, that capsulates the whole thing. God is good all the time. All the time God is good for that is his nature. Just really, really sinks in. <clears throat> well, let's see. Um, I'm going to speak to you today about slow to anger. I don't know why we need to do that because probably sure pretty nobody here ever has a problem with anger in their lives and difficulty and struggle and getting upset and angry but and nevertheless it's an attribute of God amen and we need to remind ourselves who God is and who he wants us to become and so slow to anger you know that scripture in in Exodus 34 here the Lord passed before him and proclaimed and by the way, I apologize for not having scriptures ready to go up here. My car overheated on the way up here. We stopped in White Pigeon. It was really goodness of God because we were just coming to the, the corner where we were going to head out into the country. And all of a sudden, ding, the car's overheating. And so we pulled into the gas station and bought a case of water and filled it up with water. And it's working just fine now. Um, but um, I would normally have scriptures for you. I'm really sorry. I've got them, but I just wasn't here enough time to get them ready or yet to get them into your system. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Yeah, so if you have a Bible or a device, you might want to actually turn to some of these as we go along. I mean, that's really new stuff, you know, for this day and age. <clears throat> I'm in Exodus uh, 34.6, but I won't be there for long, so don't worry. Don't, don't bother going there. The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Wow, what a proclamation 
from the throne of God. This is who I am. He said, I am the Lord. And he emphasizes, the Lord. When God repeats himself, there's something to that. Of course, you've heard that before, I'm sure. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Have you ever been astonished and astounded at the, at the mercy and grace of God towards his people? It is just throughout the scriptures beginning to end. You can go and you can read the scriptures from beginning to end and you'll see it consistently. You do see it in the New Testament. It's obviously there, but it's just really there in the Old Testament all the time. Because for some reason, God's people had a real difficulty in just walking the walk, staying on track with what God told them to do. And they they struggled with this. And story after story in the Word, it shows us uh, God's amazing works. Uh, If you're like me, and I think you are, I've oftentimes read those accounts in the Old Testament, and I thought, how can the people of God be so stupid? You know, two days earlier, God is doing these insane, amazing miracles. And then two days later, they're grumbling and complaining for some reason. It just astounds me that you can live through seeing the hand of God move like that and then turn your back on him so quickly. It's just, I, it, I can't fathom it. I don't understand. And yet I... I guess I would say that if I was probably there, I'd probably be one of the crowd and just do the same thing. But it's just, it just amazes me when you read the miracles that God did in the Old Testament and how he walked with his people and how he showed up. I mean, he showed up in ways that we wish he would show up today, right? We wish we could see some of those things and experience those. And yet, the people of God complained, griped, grumbled, got angry. And it's just like, how does, I I don't understand how that happens. I I just don't. I don't know how you do that once you've seen everything else. You know, I I love the fact, I'm I'm talking about anger today and being slow to angry, anger. And and, uh, I, I just love the fact that in this scripture, that phrase, slow to anger, is in the middle you know, it's surrounded by merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I just think that's exactly the way the anger of God is. There is an anger that God has, and there's reasons why it comes up and why it's there. Um, it just takes time. I mean, he is slow, slow to anger. Yeah. We tend to have a little bit of a struggle with that. Amen. We, we, we talk about being hot-headed or short-fused or whatever. There's, our, our fuse goes off. You know, I was, I was booking tickets to Africa the other day, and this happens about once every five years, um, where I, I booked the tickets for the eight of us that are going. And uh, I was trying to get on a special flight. You know, I've got, been there, done that enough that I know what I want to have in my, in my flights. And... Uh, so the, the gal comes on, and she's been off talking to somebody and trying to make it work. And she comes back on, and she said, great, yes, I've been able to get the flights for you, and, and I've got a great price. It's even a less price than what you were thinking. And I'm thinking, I haven't traveled recently to Africa, and so you know, or like in long trips like that. And I forgot one of my cardinal rules. 
And I said, that's wonderful. That's fantastic. Yes, that's great. Thank you so much. What a fantastic thing. Only to hang up and go and look at the itinerary and see that it wasn't the flights that I wanted. That's why I got the flights for the price that I did. So then I called back and... uh of course, nowadays, when you try to get through to airlines, it's like, I'm sorry, uh, things are so busy right now that, uh, you know, I can't really take your call. The hold times are really, really long. If you like, we'll call you back, which I always do because it's silly to sit on the line waiting for something. Just call me back when it's my turn. But a mistake was made. Now I'm calling to correct it, and two and a half hours later, they call me back. And prices have changed in that two and a half hours. And so this gal is trying to tell me why they can't change the price. I said, but you made the mistake. It wasn't my problem. We talked about this and you made the mistake. And, and I stayed really calm for most of the time. Until it got to the point where this gal was just talking over me. She was not listening to what I was saying. And she was just occupying space so I couldn't get in to say a word. Well... That's where my fuse went off. And I'm not saying that proudly. I'm just saying that that happens. Did anybody identify with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. I know, I know. I'm, I'm in the group that understands what I'm talking about. Right. So anyway, I got the tickets and I got the price and I got the right flights that I wanted. But, so therefore, anger works, just so you know. You re- <clears throat> I'm not proud of that. It's just what happened. What can I say? What can I say? So, um, yeah, God is so good. The goodness of God, you know, in our life, we walk through life. We have experiences. We have ups. We have downs. We have disappointments. We have high points. And God's goodness is there all the time. I'm so glad we sung that song this morning. It just set the framework for, for me to talk about this. Um, so, Let's just let me just take us through a little bit here. Um, when we look at the heart of God, there, there's like I said, there's numerous examples, especially in the Old Testament. But in in the book of Nehemiah, if you want to turn to this one, you can. You don't have to. But Nehemiah nine, I'm going to read sixteen to twenty, but I'm going to talk about the verses before that first. So Nehemiah is rehearsing here the journey of the people of God from Egypt into the promised land. Okay, so he's going over, he's talking about everything that God did, and he's, he's uh, identifying the miracles, and he's, the responses of the people, and uh, it, it just gives us a great picture of God being slow to anger in this whole time. Of course, you, know, you probably know these stories, but, but it'll refresh your mind to just think about this. You know, he... He, he, first of all, God heard their cry in Egypt. He heard their cry. He understood where they were. He knew what was going on. Secondly, he showed them signs in dealing with Pharaoh. Remember the ten plagues that came upon? I mean, just, just unbelievable stuff, you know, frogs and lice and all kinds of things in Egypt, but not in Goshen where the people of God were living. Um, he divided the Red Sea when they came out. Now, how can you get upset at God the minute you get through that time, a day later, two days later? I mean, I don't understand that. Like I said earlier, you see the sea open. You see the enemies behind you. You cross through the sea on dry land. You get everybody over. 
The enemy's charged you, and the sea closes back up and wipes out your enemies. Okay, thank you, Lord. Yes, I like that. I want that. He led them with a pillar of cloud by day, with a pillar of fire by night. He's right there in the middle of them. I mean, I don't know that a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire shows up very often. It doesn't in my life. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. He gave them ordinances and laws. He, he met with them at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses and Joshua went up on Mount Sinai and he gave them these ordinances and laws. He gave them, he gave them bread from heaven in the middle of in the middle of the, the desert, there in the wilderness. And then it says in Nehemiah 9, verse 16, it says, But they and our fathers acted proudly. They hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments. Verse 17. They refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. This is a new American, no, this is a new King James, by the way. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. Can you, hello? Does that even make sense with what they've just seen? But they, they, they appointed a leader to lead them back into bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. I can hardly fathom that. I can hardly understand that. How God can see his people and do all of those miracles for them. And then just be, he's not okay with it, by the way. He's never okay with it. But he's, he's willing to pardon, even in the midst of that. Then it goes on and it says, even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor did the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You gave You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. After all of that, making an idol. And I I tell you what, you you know what really ticked God off? Idolatry is a... Most the biggest thing. Whenever you read through the scriptures, you'll find idolatry is a thing that really gets him, really gets under his skin if he has skin. It really, really cranks him, really, really turns him. And so here we've got them building a, an idol, a calf. And they're bowing down and worshiping and rejoicing and dancing around this idol, saying, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Hell, I just... I, I don't understand. I, I, it's so hard for me to, to, to picture this and to think about this and put myself in that situation. I hope, pray to God, that I would never respond that way. I, you know, I, I don't know. But I know my heart, so, you know, who knows? See, we, under, we, we don't understand 
the concept of God being slow to anger. When we don't see, you know, how many of you have made mistakes? Don't put your hands up. You know, how many of you have really probably made mistakes and sinned this week? Don't put your hands up. Probably every one of you. Because it's just, we're still walking in this world. We're still dealing with this fleshly body that we live in. But you know, something happens when God doesn't deal with us immediately with our sin. And by the way, there's, there's just a little side bonus here. There's three things in the scripture, that, three names or words that God uses to identify sin. One is sin, one is transgression, and one is iniquity. Sin is an archery term, which means you miss the mark. How many circles you're away from the target, it's sin one, sin two, sin three, sin four. That's an archery term. So sin means you miss the mark. We all miss the mark. Transgression means you simply transgressed. You crossed the line. You know what you're supposed to do, but you didn't do it. You did something other than that. So that's transgression. Iniquity is where it gets twisted. It just twists, you know, like it just sort of deceptively twisting around trying to do things that you shouldn't be doing. That's it's just an aside. So, um, um, so here, when we don't see his, his um, judgment, mini judgment, little corrections of us, whatever we see, we tend to think that it doesn't matter anymore. So it gives us, we sort of take a license to live on the edge of his grace. Do you know what I mean? Because we don't see that, that, you know, a lot. And then on the other hand, when something doesn't go right, we think it's his anger. Or that he doesn't love us anymore. You know, I didn't win the publisher's clearinghouse uh, sweepstake. Why? You know, I needed that money. God doesn't love me, obviously. Am I talking to anybody that knows what I'm talking about? Okay, that's just the way we behave and how we act. When things don't go our way, we question his love for us. When we sin and we know we've sinned and we're not corrected immediately, we start living on his grace, on the edge of his grace. Of course, we're living there all the time, but I mean we, we uh, land there a little bit more. See, when God corrects us and disciplines us, it's to help us to grow. That uh, Discipline and correction is not anger. It's God funneling us into the way he wants us to, to grow, the way he wants us to go, the way he wants us to, to be as, as his sons and daughters. And so correction and discipline are important milestones along the pathway to anger, I mean, along God's pathway. He, he, he's slow to anger. He disciplines and he corrects. And the more you read the Old Testament stories, the more you see how long-suffering this, this God is with his people. How he, he doesn't overlook it, but how he, he offers opportunity to turn around and go the other way. Over and over and over again, he forgives and he pardons and he gives us the opportunity and he teaches us that he wants us to go the other way. He wants and desires people to respond and change their ways. He operates in grace. He woos us. 
He loves us. He woos us. Come to me. Let me work in your life. He draws us back to him. He's always trying to get us to turn around, to step away from our sin, our transgression, or our iniquity. He's calling us to come back, and that is slow to anger. We know that he ultimately gets there. Amen? There is a place where, where the bucket is full, and God says nothing can change it now. God is good and just and therefore cannot sit back and tolerate evil and sin. However, the core of who he is, is love. He loves you. His goodness is there for you. He's with you no matter what's going on. Remember the story of Jonah? You know, what a situation, huh? Jonah runs the, God tells him to go to Nineveh and he he says, uh, you know, I want you to go there and preach to the city there wicked city and they need to repent so Jonah runs the other way something else we can identify with every now and then right he gets on this ship to Tarshish God sends a storm he reveals it by the spirit that Jonah is the cause of it Jonah gets thrown over the side big fish comes and swallows him up for three days and in the midst of the sea sea water and the seaweed he repents of what what he's done. And God said, okay, get up and go to Nineveh. That's what I wanted you to do in the first place. So he goes, he he preaches the gospel. The city, this wicked city, gets in sackcloth and ashes on their knees and repents to God. And so God holds back his judgment, changes his mind. That's amazing. Jonah didn't like it very much. He was upset. He became angry, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh, Lord, was not this what I, what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously, previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. You hear it again right there, right? One who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you understand that in the Old Testament, when a prophet prophesied, if it didn't come true, he was was a false prophet? And and what's the judgment for false prophecy and false prophets? Stoning. So he say, hey, God, you know, this is why I didn't want to come. I know your nature. I know who you are. I knew you were going to relent and forgive them. And I don't want to be stoned. You might as well just take my life. Kill me now. I don't want to endure what's ahead. So then he goes out on the the edge of the city. And, uh, you know, he, he gets in the shade and God grows this plant up to protect him. And Jonah's thankful and happy. And I don't know if he's excited, but I'll say he's excited. And, uh, sleeps the night. And the next morning, God sends a worm to destroy the plant. And the sun beats down vehemently, it says here. He sent an east wind, hot heat, sun burdening him. And Jonah's in despair. And God asked him a question. Is it right for you to be angry? (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to have the short fuse of anger? Yeah. And Jonah says, yes. Yes, it's right for me to be angry. I'm angry. But the Lord said, 
this. He said, then God said, to, oh no, let me, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and their left and much livestock. God was teaching Jonah a lesson. He was teaching him value. You're upset at this plant. You didn't do anything for the plant. I caused it to grow and then I took it away. And you're upset because the plant died? Here's a city of 120,000 people, Jonah. I was going to wipe them out. And they repented. There's value there. Plant, 120,000 people. God, help us. We need to see life through the eyes of God. We need to see life with his perspective. Amen? Once we accept Christ as our Savior and we become a born again one more time, say, um, once we receive Christ as, as our Savior, we become a part of the family of God. And he sees us as a work in progress. You are a ro- work in progress. He accepts you the way you are. He loves you the way they are. But he's bound and determined. He's going to cha- bring change in your life. And that involves correction and discipline. So when you get corrected and disciplined, don't be angry with God. Be thankful for how good he is. Live to see the goodness of God in your life, like that song says. Be focused on the goodness of God. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, okay. What's the difference between God and us? <laughs> we can all answer that question. There's a lot. What's the difference between us and him? Um, he is slow to anger. We are quick to anger, fast to anger. We have got the short fuse. We've got the hot head, even though lots of you don't think you're, you're, you're that way. Now, compared to God, we've all got that problem. So what, what does our raw anger do? And, and, you know, you may not have done, that this, done this this week, but we throw things, Right? We hit our fist into the wall. Now, I didn't, haven't done that in weeks or months or years. We yell, right? We're, we're quick to anger. We strike out at someone who has upset us, who's made us mad. We want to demonstrate how upset we are. A coach or baseball manager gets thrown out of the game. Anybody watch baseball? The manager gets upset, starts arguing with the ump, and you're gone. Get out of here. Get back in the dugout. Not in the dugout. Get back in the clubhouse. Go have a shower. You no longer can be out here. A basketball coach gets a technical foul, right? Hopefully you can follow the sports analogies here that I have. Um, <clears throat> how many of you remember Bobby Knight? Is there anybody old enough to remember Bobby Knight? Bobby Knight. 
What is Bobby Knight famous for? Throwing chairs on the court at the official. He gets upset with him. He turns around, picks up a chair, and throws it on the court right at the official before he gets thrown out of the game. But he, I mean, that's what he's famous for, amen? How many of you remember Billy Martin and the New York Yankees? Do you, yeah, there's some of us here who remember that. Billy Martin was a manager of the New York Yankees. He was a little fireball. He was short, and he was... And, and you know how managers will come out, and they'll get in the face of the umpire, and they'll start you know, arguing or debating or whatever. Well, well, Billy went another step further. As he got to the home plate, he would come and start kicking up dust. He'd kick up dust until there was a swirl of dust all over the home plate, the dirt in the home plate, dust surrounding the umpire, dust surrounding him, and he's yelling and arguing in this place. Of course, that's just before he gets thrown out as well. Our anger (laughs) is hot-headed, a short fuse. It's explosive. It's released at perceived injustice or being wrong. You know, parenting teaches us to see the difference between an accident and a willful disobedience. Amen? We don't punish an accident. Spilt milk is not worthy of punishment. A mistake that somebody makes is not a sin that our child makes, a missing of the mark, is not to be punished. It is to be corrected and disciplined in the sense that we want them to learn and grow. Amen? That sounds like God, right? He wants us to learn and to grow. Scripture tells us that we are to take every thought captive. I love that Scripture. That Scripture helps me get to sleep in the middle of the night when I wake up. I don't know if any of you have that problem. I have a problem where I wake up in the middle of the night and my mind does not turn off. And I rehearse all kinds of things through the night. You know, many times I will be awake for an hour or two hours just because my mind will not shut up. And, and uh, that scripture has helped me a lot. Because in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 10, 4, somewhere in there, 10, uh, it says, uh, you know, you, get, you can take the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. And it says in that little rendition, you can take every thought captive. So my go-to when I'm in that spot at night is I, I try to take these thoughts captive. I settle them down. I don't let my mind run on these spots. I take them captive. I put them in chains, and I, or at least I try to. <laughs> and I, uh, some nights I'm more successful than I am on others. But we are to take every thought captive. See, God doesn't have to do that because he, he, didn't, he didn't have that problem. You know, it's not like he wrestles with that type of thing. His anger is always justified and necessary. Ours is not. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. His love drives him. So often we are quick to anger and slow to let it go. We really lack the ability to fully understand God's attributes and his ability to be slow to anger his anger is different it's a righteous anger when he when he becomes angry it's because of long suffering and slowness to get there we don't necessarily do that well 
ultimately he does release his anger and his judgment. So he wants to trans he wants to teach us, he wants to train us, he wants to help us to grow to be slow to anger, to give up our angry responses and to be slow to learn, to teach, to not lash out and strike, but rather to try to help and correct when we're working with people, and especially starting with our own families. Amen? That's, that's where it shows up many times pretty quickly. <clears throat> um, here, here's an, you know, we, we know that scripture in, um, in the New Testament where it says, Be angry and do not sin. We should have a, a course on how to do that. How, how, you know, how does that work? How do you be angry and not sin? See, we're coming at it from a completely different perspective than God is. Yeah. I mean, our, our ability to look at this thing and say, I don't know how to be angry and not sin. But God wants to teach us. Now, here's an interesting thought I had first time ever in preparation for this message. Slow to anger... Fast to anger. What does the two word imply in there? Slow to anger. Fast to anger. We're coming from somewhere. And more importantly is to anger. Stay with me on this one. Okay, you can pray through this this week, all right? (laughs) Anger is a destination. We're going to a destination. We're either going to get there by being slow or we're going to get there by being fast. God says be angry. He doesn't say it's wrong to be angry, but he says it's, it's important to not sin in your anger. So if anger is a destination and we're, we're heading in that direction with various things that happen, we have to learn how to get there slowly and not get there fast. And then let God bring us to a spot where we can actually be angry and not sin. I don't have that figured out yet. But it's a great topic to ponder on and to think about and to pray through. So what do we do? How do we, how do, we do this? Let me finish up with this here. I've said a lot of it already. When we understand the attributes of God, we can make progress and change. We can go from being slow to slow to, to from being fast to anger to slow to anger. We can let long suffering work in our hearts. Let's learn to have a little more patience, amen. A little more patience and not get, let that fuse go so fast. Avoid acting in the moment. Hit the pause button. Reflect. Being slow to anger requires increased trust in God and His plan for our lives. It's a choice to be obedient to God instead of our flesh. No human was ever or is or will walk this earth able to curb every anger moment. Amen, the whole crowd said. We're all going to feel angry sometimes. But we can't allow even justified anger to take root and become an excuse to withhold forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to releasing that. I can think of times in my life 
when people have really hurt me. They're just plain and simple. They did things that was very, very hurtful. And I can remember the times when I didn't respond correctly to it and when I did respond correctly to it. I remember the times when I was, the correct response was in my heart. Before any action came out, I breathed forgiveness out to that situation. And you end up, at least I end up, crying about it. Because it just, you realize, this is, I'm going to release this. I'm going to give this away. I'm not going to hold this. I'm not going to become bitter uh, about this, uh, with this person or anything else. I'm just going to release it and let it happen. Proverbs 29 says, An angry person stirs up dissension, and a wrathful person is abounding in transgression. Proverbs 15 says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Proverbs 19 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Patience, quietness, contentment, being content with what we have, not getting angry about things. And then to finish up today, Ephesians 4 is the place where it talks about be angry and do not sin. It says, and it, it's in the context of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. So we all know we've got this old man we've got to get rid of. God wants to help us to do that. So we put off the old man and we put on the new man. It says this, what that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true unrighteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak with truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. As I was looking up some commentaries on that, trying to find out how you'd be angry without sinning, you know, Matthew Henry had this little little quirk. He didn't even tell me anything about how to be angry and not sin, but he said this. If you have been provoked and have had your spirits greatly discomposed, your spirits are discomposed, and if you have bitterly resented any affront that has been offered before night calm and quiet in your spirits, be reconciled to the offender and let all be well again. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If it burn into wrath and bitterness of spirit, oh, see to it that you suppress it speedily. Now that, that was really a good little rendition right there. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to anger, and slow to slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Amen? I'm glad God's slow to anger. How about you? Aren't you glad we live in the grace of God and not under the law anymore? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that covers us from all of this unrighteousness, and God sees us through the blood. He sees us with these rose-colored glasses lens that shows us up as white before him. What an amazing thing. Let me pray for you just as we finish up here. 
and just uh, ask God to help us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful church, this wonderful group of people who gathers together to remind themselves of who you are, to sing praises to you, to worship you, to uh, look to you, to be refreshed and renewed in their walk with you. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness and their diligence. Lord, I thank you that you love them beyond what they can even imagine. And Lord, today I pray that you will speak to their hearts by your spirit and that you will lead them and guide them as they go from this place to another week of walking in the marketplace and sharing and loving Jesus with their neighbors and with their co-workers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. And I'm going to be a preacher, and I got to just add one thing. I thought it was a great message, but the the idea, the, the... the image of anger as a destination. And then I thought, on their way here this morning, their engine overheated. Okay? And what did you do? What did you do? But you stopped. Stopped. Turned the engine off. Let it cool down. Poured in some water. You know, and you were able to get here. But if you'd kept driving, it would have ruined the engine. And so I want a perfect illustration of that idea that on your journey, sometimes you need to stop, cool off, drink some living water, and and proceed not in that overheated state. So, Father, give us the strength to do that, that, uh, that... we are able to be partakers of your divine attributes, your divine nature, because of the blood of Christ that was shed for us. We are now sons and daughters of you, and we are to display that same attribute, that we are slow. Yes, we do get angry, but we don't react out of that anger. We don't blow our tops. We forgive And may we all represent that each and every day in Jesus' name. Well, bless you so much. We have our prayer team available. So so all of the people who struggle with anger, definitely going to want to come up. (laughs) Now, if you have any needs whatsoever, especially if you have a healing need in your body, we love to.